Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. So the Sermon on Prayer 1. For some of you might not know, uh, I could not decide this week on what I wanted to preach on, so I put both options out there. And hands down, y'all let me know what needed to be preached on. So we... Uh, we're going to be doing a sermon on prayer this morning and uh, the, the importance of prayer and really more of a practical look on how to engage in more meaningful prayer as the children of God. Uh, thank you to our guests for being here. Uh, we do have uh, Keith and Alyssa who are here who we're very excited to have them down. They are not in their house yet, and they will need some helpers to get into their house, not this week, but next week. Uh, Hopefully they will be closing on the 8th, so if you're able to help them do some moving in, I know they would appreciate it. And I'm just, they didn't ask me to say that, but I'm asking that on their behalf. So uh, if you're able, we'd love to, uh, I'm sure they would love to have your help. Uh, Let's uh, go ahead and jump into our sermon for this morning. There's a story told uh, years gone by of a dad and a son who decided that they were going to go out fishing one day. And so they jumped in the dad's truck early that morning after grabbing the fishing poles and the tackle box and having gathered up worms. And they went out on the riverbank and they cast some lines and didn't catch catch much of anything at all. And so they decided on their way home they would stop by the diner that they used to like to go to and grab sandwiches. And so uh, they stop by that diner. Uh, the restaurant, when they walk in, is a bit full. And so they walk over to the, to the counter, and they have some stools there at the counter. And so the dad hops into his seat and picks up his young child and sets him down on the stool next to him. And because the diner's so full, after they've ordered their food, the dad looks over at his son and discreetly says, well, son, uh, let's say some silent prayers. And so they both bow their heads, and the dad prays for a few moments and uh, opens his eyes and looks up, and the son's still praying. And so he, he wants to give him time to finish his prayer, and he sits there for another moment or two, and and another moment or two, and then another moment or two. And it, it, the dad's kind of wondering what in the world could his son be so fervently in prayer about. And eventually, after several minutes, the son uh, opens his eyes and lifts his head. And his dad says, son, what, what, is something bothering you? What were you praying about? And the son says, well, how would I know? It was a silent prayer. <laughs> I, I think sometimes we fail to truly understand how prayer works. And it's one of those things that we assume we know how to do it well because it is something we've always done for most of us. Uh, Even those who who were brought up in homes where maybe Bible study was not a regular activity and uh, going to assemble with God's people was not something that was done frequently, we tend to, as a culture, be a culture that is familiar with the concept of prayer. Uh, 
we as Christians don't really discuss or wonder or think whether we should be praying or not. And there are plenty of verses that support that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 has that mysterious command, pray without ceasing. And then over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, men are told that uh, men everywhere should lift up holy hands in prayer. Prayer is a command. It is a privilege. It is something that we're familiar with and that we've all grown up with, but I don't know that it is something that we have really exercised or trained ourselves in. We don't think of prayer in those terms. But the apostles did. Uh, Turn with me over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We won't look at this whole section on prayer, but I I find it interesting here in verse 1. Says Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Teach us how to pray. We're going to spend several months on prayer at the end of the year in our themed lessons because. We devoted, you know, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, which is where we're at now, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so I don't necessarily want to step on all the details and such that we're going to get to later on in the year, but I do want to talk today about what are some practices or some exercises and and thought processes we can think about as we try to grow in our ability to pray. And maybe with a little bit of a practical look, we can come to a better understanding. Like, what should we be praying for? Or how should we pray? Or how often should we pray? Or how do you stay focused? when you're praying, especially how do you stay focused when you're sitting in a congregation and someone is leading prayer and you have to follow along with those ideas and thoughts? What are the things you can do to stay focused? I think probably one of the biggest questions we have in prayer is how do we know God heard it? How do we know that God heard our prayers? Well, I just want to step in, and I'm going to give you four different thought processes or ideas to think about and questions to think about, and then we'll end the lesson with some practical steps that we can go through in order to grow in our understanding of prayers. The first thing we need to realize is that when we pray, we are engaging with God. Let that sink in. We are engaging with the creator of the heavens and the earth. We are speaking with the one who is eternal, the one who sits on a throne, the one who sat down, as we talked about in the book of Daniel this morning in the auditorium, who sat down in judgment of the nations. 
the one who is so eternal and so knowledgeable and so powerful that he knows the events of mankind before they happen and doesn't even control them, just knows they're going to happen and knows how to intercede and, if the case may be, may require it, control those events. We are engaging with God, and that is something in which we can take comfort. Matthew chapter 6, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had quite a bit to say on prayer. He says here, verse 7 and 8, When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask for them. Later on in that same chapter, it talked about don't worry about food and drink or clothing, for your Father knows you need those things. So it's not something that we really should eagerly be seeking like the Gentiles Instead, know that God is the one who provides. There is a comfort from knowing that the all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, all-possessing God who owns every cattle on every hill, who has everything at his disposal, that that God hears our request. Isn't that comforting? Or maybe you're a little bit like me and... It's a little bit fearful. That while that is comforting to know that that kind of God hears my prayers, it is also frightening to know that it is that kind of God that I am speaking to in prayer. The book of Ecclesiastes, the first couple of verses there of chapter 5, have what I think are the most sobering words to say about prayer. Ecclesiastes 5, starting in verse 1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifices as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty and speak, or hasty to speak, and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. Listen to this. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit to say a lot of the things that we're going to talk about this morning in our brief time are not things that I do well. I am incredibly impulsive when I go to God in prayer. I just speak whatever pops into my head. And I say it because it's what's on my mind. And I'm not saying it is necessarily wrong to do those things. And what we're going to talk about today is not necessarily how you should formulate or think about every prayer. There are times when it is good to quickly approach God and ask for help. But I think that there are times when it is good to recognize when you pray you are entering the throne room of the creator of heavens and earth and that we should let our words be few. 
not because he does not have time for us, but because we need to take prayer that seriously. Romans chapter 11 and verse 22 uh, has what I think is one of the uh, greatest descriptions of who God is. Romans 11 verse 22, it says this, Therefore consider God's kindness and severity. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you. If you will remain in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. Do you see that? We cannot only approach God as if he is merely a God of sunshine and lollipop. We must realize that he is a God who has both kindness and severity. He is both. He is both a God of love and a God to be feared. And when I approach God's throne flippantly, not as if I am approaching the throne of creator of heavens and earth, but merely the throne or the, the, the presence of someone who I treat as if he is my equal, I'm, I'm walking in dangerous territory. I tell you, do you engage with God when you pray? Or do you merely speak to emptiness? I, I will be the first to admit that there have been way too many times where I speak not to God, I just speak. And I think we need to get that right. I think we need to realize that in, in prayer, we need to be purposeful. You know, just like we said, coming before God is a serious and awesome responsibility. Just, just walk through the stories of the Bible and look at the way people came into the presence of God, what their actions were. Moses, when he comes before God in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6, falls on his face in God's presence. Isaiah, when he has a vision of God's throne room in Isaiah chapter 6, he is a man whose response was immediately, Whoa, I am unclean. I am a man of unclean lips. He was completely, utterly smacked in the face with the fact that he was a sinner and he was unworthy to be in the presence of God. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, when he sees Jesus in that vision in Revelation chapter 1, he immediately falls on his face. This is a man who was leaning on the breast of Jesus the night before Jesus was betrayed, is the man who falls on his face in the presence of Jesus when he sees Jesus exalted. How often is it you see, not even just in God's presence, but in the presence of an angel, men falling down like dead men because they are so astonished and amazed at the power and glory of being in the presence of a heavenly being? How much more should we seriously come into the presence of God? He is a powerful and awesome God. Shouldn't we take prayer seriously? So we come across these words like Matthew 6, verse 7. Let your words be few. 
or Ecclesiastes 5.2, which we already read, do not be hasty in words. I, I tell you, too often I come to God with very little purpose and often with flippancy. I, 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 I think to my prayers that I say at night that become rote. They are not prayers I have prayed over the years because I truly am recognizing whose presence I'm coming in before I fall asleep, asking for his blessings on my sleep and for, for, for forgiveness for things I've done during the day. I come to him with a, God, help, the, help, help us get good sleep and have good dreams. Good night. I mean, that, that's kind of, that kind of flippancy. Are, are the prayers we pray before we eat our food, are we truly coming to God with gratitude for the food before us are we just saying what we know we're supposed to say because it's the time to say it? One of those treats God like God, and one of those treats God like a taskmaster. Which do you think God prefers? I, I, I'll be the first to admit that I, I don't come to God with the kind of purpose and focus that I should. I think we need to be more prepared when we pray. Daniel chapter 9, we have, we have great example of prayer and the way prayer should work, and I was hoping we'd get to that in our Bible class today, but I'm way too slow of a teacher to actually keep us on schedule. And, but Daniel chapter 9, you've got this example of Daniel who is coming before God, and he is, he is repentant, on both his own behalf and on the behalf of, of the people of God, and he is coming to God asking about when the end of their captivity will be, and he wants to have answers. And I, I love the way it, it shows it there in verse 3. So I, I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. When's the last time you prepared for prayer like that? With fasting? Where, you, where you're willing to put your own comforts aside for the sake of truly focusing in on the presence of God and having the ear of God? Where you didn't just prep by not eating, but you prepped by wearing special clothes of mourning. We, we don't tend to do that in our culture, but... Maybe we can come up with some sort of parallel. When is the last time that you have come before God and you did not just, just come because it was time to come, but you came prepared to truly spend some time with God in prayer? I, I, don't, I don't know that we do that. I love the example we have a prayer over in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, you've got the church there, and they're starting to face some persecution. And you've got the church that is gathered together after Peter and John have gotten away from the Jewish leaders. And it says they are starting in verse 24. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. Or we'll read verse 23. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything to the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices 
together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. And it goes on to list their prayer. Now, here's my question. How does a church come together and all verbalize the same prayer? You ever thought about this? The, the description there is not that a man got up on a pulpit and stood behind a lectern and spoke into a microphone his own prayer and the congregation silently gave assent to what he was saying by ending the prayer with a vocal amen. Is that what's described here? Not at all. What's described here is that the congregation each one of them raised their own voice and vocalized the same prayer. You know what that took? Preparation. They, as a people, decided, as a people, these are the things we need to come to God and say in prayer, and they prepared the words of their prayer, and then they spoke that prayer together. It's like they wrote a psalm, or a prayer, and then they all passed out the words, and then they prayed the prayer together. Isn't that different? But it took preparation. Let me ask you, do you prepare yourself before you walk into the throne room of God or do you expect God to just spend a few moments with you when you've got time in your hectic life? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest, I find myself on the latter end of that question more than I want to admit. It is easy to fit God into my schedule it takes a lot of work and preparation for me to come before God in, pre in preparation. Another piece of advice I give you on prayer is to be persistent. Luke chapter 18. You've got this great story of a woman who goes before uh, a judge who is unrighteously not giving her any attention whatsoever as she is asking for justice against an adversary. But it says, starting in verse 4, For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she does not wear me out by her persistent coming. This is the application Jesus makes. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? God is comparing, or Jesus is comparing his God to this unjust judge. He's saying if that unjust man is willing to give in when he is pestered, how much more willing will a just and righteous and giving and generous God give to the people who come to him continually? I'm going to tell you, too often I come to God and I ask him for something one time and then I forget I asked him. 
It's not something I really persist in. And the truth is, if you continue to look down in Luke 11 or Matthew chapter 6, where similar things are said, it says, one who asks must keep asking. One who seeks must continually seek. One who knocks must do so with shameless boldness. That's what the, that's what the Christian Standard Bible says. Shameless boldness. How many of us come to God with shameless boldness? Turn with me over again to the passage that John David read for us this morning. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I want to look at a couple of the verses he, he read earlier. Because I, I think there is a powerful lesson here in this section of scripture. 1 John chapter 3 verse 19. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will assure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. So if you want to know if you belong to the Lord, even though your heart questions it, if your heart is struggling with whether you're faithful or not, when your heart is struggling with whether God is on your side or not, or maybe the better way to word that is whether you're on God's side or not, the way to know that is this. Verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive Whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. You know, want to know what the test is as to whether you belong to God or not? It's whether God is answering your prayers or not. That's the test. You want to know whether God is pleased with you or not. Is God granting to you the things you've asked? Because we are told continually that he desires to. What is it that Jesus says? What man among you, if his son comes and asks for a loaf, would give him a stone? Or if his son asks for a fish, he would not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being unrighteous, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to give good things to those who ask him? That's what scripture teaches. God is a generous, giving God. I think some of the time the problem is we are not truly belonging to him. I think some of the time is we're not truly speaking to him and asking for things. And I think some of the time it's because we give up before he gives us the things we've asked for. We're not persistent. I ask you, are you confident enough in the things that you ask that they are God's will, that they are things that God is willing to give, that you're willing to put your faith on the line regarding them? Or are you one of those who gives up so quickly that God, you don't know whether God answered your prayer or not? That requires us to believe very strongly that God is the grantor of requests. And I don't mean by that some sort of vending machine God you put in your quarter and you click A6 and a candy bar pops out. That, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is we must believe in the type 
of God and the character of God and the generosity of God in such a way that when we ask for things from God, as long as we are truly belonging to him the way we should, we know that he is capable of giving us things, that he delights in giving us things, and that he is a generous giver. So I ask you, do you believe in the generosity of God? Or do you think he arbitrarily gives when he wants to and doesn't at other times? Because I'll be honest, I've been on the latter half of that too many times. Where my attitude is, you know what, God will will just do what God wants to do, and it really doesn't matter what, what I want. And therefore, I'll just back off not the teaching of Scripture. So let, let's get practical real quick. Let's put this in practice. First of all, I, I think one of the things we need to start doing when we pray is that we need to clear our life of distractions and selfishness. Just, just get rid of those other things. Get, get rid of all the things that are going to distract. I, I know that's hard. Uh, the one, the, a movie came out several years ago about getting in a prayer closet, and they took that very literally, and they cleaned out their closet, and they put up all these pictures of things they're praying for. I can't remember the name of the movie, but uh, War Room. Yeah, thank you. Good thing I can read lips. So, uh, War Room, you know, and that idea of being able to, to just clear out all the distractions and close yourself off from, from everything else so that you can give God undivided attention in the things that you're praying for, whether that be other people or things you need in your life or your own faithfulness or something you're struggling with or confession of sins, whatever it is, get rid of all of the distractions when you pray. I'm bad about that. And I I know you can't do that with every prayer. I'm aware of that. And again, please understand, I'm not saying this is advice for every prayer. I'm saying this is advice to follow in some of your prayers to increase and engage with God more. But I think it is good for us to clear life of distraction. You know what that's going to mean for me? That means I need to find ways to give my wife an opportunity to pray undistracted. Because I imagine she has a much harder time with that than I do. We need to start finding ways in which we can truly engage in undistracted prayer. Second piece of advice, prepare a list of what you want to talk to God about. That should be part of your prayer life. I I love that we have that board out there, and I love that Elijah has taken it on himself when Uh, when he can, to type all of that out and send it out to all of us so that we can all have that list of things that we as a congregation are praying for. And I encourage you, if you've got things you're worried about, go be transparent and open and put it on the board. You don't have to write your name on it, but let us pray for you. But we need to, as people, work off of lists. I, I don't know about you, but my brain can't remember everything at the same time. You know what making a list also does? It helps you start weeding through what's most important versus what's least important. 
You know what it also does? It helps you keep track of when God does answer your prayers. Just like we have on that board there in the hallway, we can see prayers starting to be answered that we might have forgotten that we had even prayed for in the first place. And we'll see God's faithfulness appear over and over and over again when we keep a list. But it's good to keep a list. I would even go so far as to say it's good to write out your prayers as you've got the time to do that. That very practice is what gave us the 150 psalms we have in the middle of our Old Testament. So it is a biblical concept to write out your prayers, but to dwell on every word, every sentence, every paragraph of what you want to talk to God about, I tell you, that will increase your engagement with God. Choose what's most important to those things that are within his will and that bring him glory. We need to give priority to God in our prayers. As a general rule, we give priority to self. Help me with this. It might be good things to ask for. I'm not dismissing the petitions we make, but help me with this. Cause this to happen. We pray about self. I'm going to encourage you, learn to start praying about God. Whether that be praise or whether that be his glory or whether that be things happening for his glory. But then also choose the things that are most important to you. And pray about them and dwell on them and be persistent about them so that God can show you his faithfulness. Number five, I think it's good to even imagine entering the throne room and bowing before the throne of God, talking to the creator. I don't know what happens in your head. and This is something I've always struggled with because I don't think in pictures. So it's hard for me to imagine this image of a throne room and all of that because I, that's just not the way I think. But if it is for you, put yourself in God's presence. Are you going to know exactly what God looks like? Absolutely not. Picture the God from Daniel chapter 7 called the Ancient of Days. Maybe that helps. Go back and read descriptions of God that you have all through the, through the Bible. Most of them focus on his character. But go before that God. Imagine being before his, his throne of power and authority and majesty. And have a prayer with him not an equal remember God is on heaven and you are on earth therefore let your words be few imagine being in front of God and then plead with a generous and loving father Remember, we talked about the kindness and severity of God, right? I think we need to come before God's severity and we need to rely on God's kindness. He is not merely a creator and judge that sits on the throne. He is also a tender and loving father. 
I don't want to dismiss that side of God. That's the side of God we need. But plead with him. And I use that word plead on purpose. I don't mean have a casual conversation with him. Come before him knowing your unworthiness and his generosity. And then live in gratitude knowing that he is answering those requests before you even begin. Uh, Several things through the book of Daniel, when Daniel offers prayer, it makes the point that God has already been answering this. Before you even uttered the word, uh, Gabriel in chapter 9 says, as you began to speak, God sent me with the answer. Do you hear that? God didn't need to hear your prayer to know what the answer was because as you began to speak, God sent me with the answer. Isn't that great? Live with gratitude knowing that God is answering those those requests. And if, for whatever reason, you are not receiving answers to your prayers, Realize that your requests reveal that you either don't know your father or that you're not asking in faith. It's one of the two. Either you don't know your father well enough to know what his will is or you aren't asking with with faith. Those are the only two options, really. If you are persistent in your prayer and you are asking and asking and asking, God will give answers. Because he is a generous and loving father. I don't know if any of that helps. I I, I don't know if it punches you in the nose like it does me. That's kind of how I feel whenever I sit down and study prayer because I realize how poorly I do it. I am not good at prayer. Because I, I tell you, it, the more I understand it, the more frightened I am of it. And I, I know that sounds crazy in a culture where we've grown up praying for anything and everything and on the fly and praying no matter what our circumstances are. And and, and I don't want to erase that. I want you to continually be in prayer. That's what pray without ceasing means. So I, I don't want you to take what I'm saying to the extreme that you quit doing that. But I do want you to take what we're what we're reading in scripture and realize prayer is a much that's been taught. It is something that we can grow in and develop in and become, uh, become masters of. Because talking to God, I'm just going to go ahead and make the bold statement, it is the single greatest privilege we have been given as human beings. And we need to use it that way. I'm so thankful that we have a God who's willing to listen and love us and display love to us by answering our prayers. Hope 
we as people will want to grow in that, in that effort. And we'll talk a lot more about it in October, November, December of this year. But I thought it would be good for us to think about it a little bit for a few moments today. For those of you who, who aren't Christians, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I got bad news for you. You might as well just not pray. I, I, God hears his children's prayers. I'm not saying you can't seek God as a non-Christian. I'm not saying, you know, we've got examples like Cornelius where God clearly heard his prayer seeking him. I hope that's what you're praying for because I got good news for you in that case. The answer is real simple. If you're not a Christian and you're praying to find God and to know him and to become one of his children, the answer is as simple as you come forward, you confess him as your Lord, and we will baptize you into Christ so that you can become one of his children today. It's that simple. And I hope, I hope you're willing to do that. But outside of that, I tell you, we, we Christians have a great privilege of being able to speak to a father who loves us and has promised to care for us, has promised to answer our prayers. Christians are taking full advantage of that as his children. Of God, and you want to become a child of God today, I, please let us know how we can help you. Please come forward and let us know as we stand and sing this song. Hosanna, you're my king. Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.